So, welcome to Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm your host, Christian Rebenick. As you know, based in the Kira theory, small changes can have a big impact. The goal of the session is to uncover how leaders and change makers develop their purpose, their competences, and their community to achieve a great positive impact. Every of the episode is packed full of ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I'm very excited to speak to Joel, Joel McCower, um, who is chairman and co-founder of Greenbase Group, a media and events company focusing on the, the intersection of business, technology, and sustainability. For more than 30 years, through his writing, speaking, and leadership, he has developed, uh, he has helped companies to align pressing environmental and social uh, issues with business success. McCower has written more than a dozen books, including strategies for the green economy, the green consumer, the e-factor, the bottom line approach uh, to environmental responsible business and beyond the bottom line, putting social responsibility to work for your business and the world. The Associated Press has called him also the guru of green business practices. Great to have you in the studio. So great to be here. Thank you, Christian. So, Tell us a little bit more about what motivated you to become actually a leading voice for sustainable business and the clean economy. Well, I didn't start off with necessarily that vision, but um, I'm a journalist by training and um, I've been self-employed for my entire career, which is to say I've, I've, I've only worked for companies that I've started. I've started or co-founded or founded three companies, all in the, in the information and business uh, events and uh, sort of realm. And, um, you know, I studied journalism because I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be if I grew up. And my hypothesis at the time was was that um, I didn't necessarily want to be a journalist, but I thought that, the, that by asking questions and interviewing people and poking my nose into other people's business, I would find something that I was good at and interested in and synced with my values and lifestyle and everything else. And uh, for the first 15 years, it turns out that what I was good at and interested in and synced with all that was simply sticking my nose in other people's business and writing about it. Um, uh, but I was also, I was, I was also very interested in business uh, from the start. Uh, I thought that business was really a, an important factor and a big engine for change and also a, uh, a force to be reckoned with in terms of, uh, so I grew up during the, the consumer movement that Ralph Nader started back in the, I guess, the 70s. And and so that was important to me. And so I really started off as a consumer journalist. And I realized in order to understand or, or to really address consumer issues, you really needed to understand business. So long story shorter is that um, um, uh, in 1989, I had and I, I had written articles, magazine articles in the 70s about solar energy. My first book in 1981 was about the health effects of office environments. So it was about lights and noise and air quality and things like that, what we would now call green buildings, but we weren't at the time. And in 1989, I had the chance to uh, to create the U.S. edition of a British bestseller called The Green Consumer Guide. And I created the, the, as I said, the U.S. edition, which was published in the, in the uh, run-up to Earth Day 1990, which was a, you know, for those of you old enough to remember, it was a very big media event. Uh, the uh, planet Earth was on the cover of every magazine and TV network, and there was, you know, this is a lot of attention paid to this, and 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 I was very quickly uh, anointed as a an expert on green consumer issues. And I had a weekly syndicated newspaper column in about 90 U.S. newspapers. 
And then I quickly realized two things. There was no green consumer movement in the United States. I looked over my shoulder and realized I was kind of standing there by myself. Um, but the companies I was being asked to come in and talk to about the so-called green consumer movement were themselves doing a lot of really interesting things and struggling with challenges around waste and water and energy and, and, and emissions of all sorts. Um, and that was interesting to me and they were challenged. So I started a monthly newsletter, what we would now call a dead tree snail mail newsletter called the Green Business Letter in 1991. And then I'm old enough to say the sentence and then the web came along and I created this, <laughs> <laughs> created this, this, this website called greenbiz.com, which was just a resource center at the time. Oh, wow. And that, uh, that went live in 2000 and, and, um, and, and over time, that became the company that we are now, about 65 people. We put on uh, four big in-person events and a number of, of virtual events. And we have, you know, daily news and, and, and newsletters and podcasts and all the things you'd expect from a media company. And we have peer networks uh, to bring together sustainability professionals from mostly big companies to uh, learn from one another. Um, and so we've had we've been doing that for 12 years in the U.S. We just launched one in Europe. And uh, we're looking to other continents uh, and, and countries to look at how we do that as well. So that's sort of the uh, the gist of it all. But it, it is, as you said in the intro, all about everything at the intersection of business, sustainability, and what we now call climate tech. It used to be called clean tech. And we can talk about any or all of those things. So exciting. Um, thank you very much for sharing this. Such an impressive history because also you have been so early actually in this part of what you mentioned, the green consumer movement, but actually talk about solar energy in the 70s. That's that's way earlier than what we see now. Where here in Germany, it's like solar is like everybody tries to get solar on his roof, literally, um, to also reduce his uh, his energy cost eventually uh, in this energy crisis we're having today. Yeah, um, and our listeners, our students, they're joining also because literally want to. They're, they're, it really bothers them. Yeah, but that wasn't maybe back then the case, yeah? Um, and as an entrepreneur, as many of us students also, you struggle always with this resistance, ignorance eventually. Um, personal question, how do you deal with that? Uh, because I think also maybe that back then, as mentioned, it's not everybody was saying, oh my God, that's so true, let's change it, you know? So how do you deal with that back then? Are they just being literally this, this person here, um, helping to understand, sharing knowledge, why this is important, when people maybe not, understood that and saw that any priority at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we were early to the game and 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 persistence was a lot of it, just sticking with it. Um, and we've seen a lot of um, uh, a lot of would be competitors come and go, including some of the big media companies, you know, Fortune and and, and the Wall Street Journal and, and Reuters and others um, and then a lot of smaller players, um, you know, Patience is a virtue uh, as an entrepreneur. Now, that's not always possible. Finances may not allow that. Uh, we were pretty lean to begin with, and I think that we um, were able to, you know, and we weren't also manufacturing anything, so we didn't have huge capital costs. We could do this. We had an office, but we could have done this from, you know, from our homes. Um, but, but uh, you know, part of this is really uh, – being nimble and adaptive all along the way. Um, you know, there's an old saying in business school that if your business ends up looking like your business plan, you probably did something wrong. 
Um, <laughs> because you kind of, you know, it, it, it's never a straight course, a straight a journey. You, there's always, you know, twists and turns along the way, and you need to be adaptive and, and rethink things all along the way. And we certainly have done that. Um, and then you also have to bring along your, your customers. Uh, your, uh, and in our case, we don't think of them as customers. We think of them as members of a community. Um, and that's been really critical. So we have some, I, we think are, and, and what other people tell us are the industry leading events on the profession of sustainability, the circular economy, climate tech and ESG, I'm sorry, uh, green finance and ESG and climate tech, which includes energy buildings, transportation, sustainable food systems, carbon removal, things like that. And, um, you know, in some of those things, we were pretty early. Uh, our, we, we launched a climate tech event. It wasn't called that at the time. It's called Verge, but and it, it was just simply business and technology in 2012 or 2011. I can't remember anymore. I think 2012. And, you know, that was, that was really early for me talking about technology. In fact, climate, uh, clean tech, as it was called then, had just uh, cratered. You know, we had some, it became political. There were a lot of the, some of the early companies that had a lot of promise, never made money. I was part of one venture, uh, uh, venture capital fund that, you know, invested lots and lots of money and didn't have much to show for it at the end of the, at the end of the 10 years. Um, and so, you know, finding those moments when that look like things aren't, you know, like, like the market may not even be developing, but seeing an opportunity within that and then bringing the, the audience or the community along with you on those journeys, um, you know, and again, with persistence, that can pay off. And I mean, there's everything else that you need as an entrepreneur around a great team and, and a great execution strategy and, and some, you know, barriers to entry for competition, things like that. But, but those are part of our secrets to success. So uh, you started out with, you mentioned that you learn to ask questions. You have been really curious. Um, how do things work? Um, but I think it's one thing, literally ask questions and then condense that and then publish something and then say, hey, I now want to take action. Um, so what has changed that you actually said now, hey, I, I, you know, you, you ask the close questions, you're curious, you're trying to understand, you, but what has changed you all, all of a sudden want to create businesses and um, have really impact? Well, don't undersell the value of curiosity mm -hmm. because curiosity is critical in life. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly critical in sustainability because we're all all of us in sustainability are forging new paths. There is not a playbook. Um, I mean, there is sort of a playbook now, but there certainly wasn't until fairly recently. And there certainly wasn't, you know, 20 years ago or more when we got going 25 years ago. Um, and so, uh, you know, going and, and, and that curiosity leads to conversations, leads to relationships, leads to a network building, leads to understanding the 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 community or the customer base or the market or however you want to think about it and um and you know we all go in with assumptions all of us have assumptions even people who aren't in sustainability have some assumptions they don't necessarily think of them that way but it's like oh yeah solar it's not for me or it's too expensive it yeah. you know i live i live in a place where the sun doesn't shine or electric vehicles i'm going to run out of juice or they uh, they're too expensive you know everyone has some some assumption or this is, you know, and at the extreme, like this is all a scam and there's no real, there's no real climate crisis or anything of the sort. Um, and, and so I think helping, 
you know, having being curious and asking those converse, asking those questions, having those conversations helps you, you know, get the reality check that your assumption that may change your assumptions probably will, because the assumptions that we all have on sustainability inevitably are not fully formed and and need a lot of input. So I think, I, I, as I said, I don't want to un- undersell the value. You know, no, what you do with the answers is, I mean, first of all, it depends on on what your aspirations are, what sector you're in, or what your what your job function is. I mean, if it's you know if if it's hands-on designing products or or supply chain and and procurement, um, you know that's really hands-on kind of stuff. If you're a fleet manager or a building facilities manager, uh, there's lots and lots of opportunities for hands-on kinds of things. You know, ironically, if you're in sustainability. A lot of that is 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 more uh, reporting and uh, and communications and aligning you know internally and understanding con- you know customer needs, understanding uh, regulatory or and societal uh, uh, requirements of companies, and it may not be as hands on as something who's you know someone who's really in the in the weeds, if you will, on on. Uh, uh, you know, on the things that companies actually do. So, so you know, I, that's one of the maybe you know paradoxes of sustainability is that we're gonna we get things done. Well, you know, not everybody, and not everybody. I mean, it, it doesn't mean they're not they don't have an important job. It doesn't mean that they can't have an impact. It just means that you know, tur- turning this into action is can be challenging, and we can talk about why that is. Uh, but the real reality is it is. Super. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I love how you put it on, on very concrete things and we all have a role to play and can actually take actions. And yes, I know, I, I agree also. Uh, it's very hard. Uh, today we had just students talking about how important it is to, also for the individual to measure eventually their carbon footprint. Uh, but then often... To change behavior is something really, really challenging uh, when it comes to your own change. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, I think it's even also one thing is if people tell you to change or if something you have their own decision actually to change. Um, maybe I, I, I want to take one more step back because I, I think it's really inspiring um, how you advanced in your career um, and how many things you have done. Um, and talking maybe about your purpose and your services curiosity, but you're doing this still today. You're driving really sustainability in the U.S., I think, against, against, uh, for, I would say, with your community, as you put it there. Yeah? Um, so w- what is your, your personal motivation, um, every day to keep this driving? Um, well, I mean, I, I just think it's fascinating. Um, uh, you know, business is uh, has been a big part of the problem, and business is a big part of the solution. Business is a, is really the most powerful force in our society these days, um, and uh, and and we and 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 the good news is that businesses knows in general. I'm speaking of business as a monolith, but I think it's a it, it applies in this case. Generally, knows that they need to change. They need to change. They may not know how much they need to change. They may think they just need to change a little bit when in fact they may need to rethink their entire business model or or help change transform the 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 culture or the the construct in which their products are 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 delivered and used um but 
you know, so, so I'm just, you know, it, and and every day there's something new and exciting going on. There's some new developments. There's some, you know, or I hear about a new idea. It's like, wow, that's really interesting. I, let me look into that. That's I would love to share that with the community, you know, or just to ask questions like, you know, this thing called uh, net positive nature, which is, you know, came out of we recently had the, the COP15 and, and, you know, biodiversity conference and talking about no net loss and net positive nature. A lot of companies are committing to that. What does that even mean? And is that bull or is that is that something? And, you know, net zero is, is it was a net zero carbon emissions became a, a, a mantra for just about every company. And a lot of the, you know, the execution of that, it's it's not changing much of anything because of the way that they're interpreting that or execu executing that. So exploring those questions or those terms, just again, asking questions and 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 trying to reflect back to the world what's really going on here uh, being an honest broker if you will which is to say being an advocate for for positive change but also a realist uh for the challenges that companies face when they when they engage in these things i mean i love that it just it, it gets that's what gets me going and um and then the last thing is that the people you know in sustainability tend to be pretty terrific uh, not everybody of course but, you know, being in sustainability is an inherently optimistic profession. We wake up every day thinking about solutions and opportunities. We talk about moonshots or now earth shots. Um, and, and we, you know, and, 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 and big, hairy, audacious goals and, uh, you know, and what could be. And that's, that's an exciting place to be, at least for me. Um, and of course, you know, going from from idealism to realism is 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 the big challenge, uh, and and that's that's where all the you know the effort takes place. That's you know they say about uh, uh, what is it? Uh, innovation is is you know one percent inspiration and ninety nine percent perspiration, um, and that's you know the hard work that goes into actually taking these ideals and making them real. That's what it's all about, and I just. I, I'm never bored. Right, it's so exciting. So curiosity is really your driver, or continuously looking for how you can change things for the better. Um, Joel, um, with doing having so much done I, and looking at so many different different aspects, looking back, what are you most proud of? Um, <laughs> I mean, part of it, part of it, I'm proud of just sticking with it all these years because yeah. I think that's paid off, even during the. The, the leaner times or the times when, you know, you had to knock on more doors. Now people are knocking on our doors and, and you know, yeah. and it's, it's, um, it, it's, you know, I could say that I, I could say, well, I saw this, you know, 25 years ago or 30 years ago, you know, I'm not sure I did in terms of this way. So I'm really proud that, that I and, and our team stuck with it. And, and the other thing I'm proud of is the team uh, that we have. Uh, it's just a really extraordinary team. We have people, um, who are working with us, who have been employed by Green Biz Group, like our, my company, uh, who uh, who are in their early 30s, uh, who have been with us for 12 years or more, uh, or certainly 10, 10 to 12 years, which means this is pretty much the only job they've had out of college, or it's maybe their second job. Um, and, you know, when you think about, you know, uh, like what's wrong with them? They should have had three, three or four jobs by now. You know, if you're a millennial or you know some early career, um, but they want to stick with us, and I think that speaks to 
the company, the culture, obviously the mission, um, yeah. and, and and frankly, the fun that we have. And and last, I keep using this word, but the community that we've built um, it, that really, you know, seems to really like us. So it's really, it's fun to be us in a way because people are generally, uh, you know, appreciative of, of what we're doing. Wow. Um, that's, so you mentioned already before, the, the people in sustainability tend to be terrific. I like that, yeah, because it has most likely to do something with also they're pursuing a purpose, um, so something meaningful. It's like which motivates also them, I think, every day. Um, Try you talk a little bit about also already about what you have, what, what has helped you in your life. Yeah, you talked about curiosity, how it has helped you actually. You talked about um, uh, asking questions literally continuously, but also about persistence. Um, what would you say, now also talking to our students, what are the other maybe skills or things you have learned and mastered, which you think is really important um, being in this field? Yeah, well, I'm a storyteller and I think that's really critically important. I mean, mm -hmm. stories is, you know, we are the only species that really, you know, learns and communicates uh, by stories and and stories are, are, are important to us as a species, but they're particularly important when it comes to sustainability. Because think about it on, 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 one, uh, on one hand, we're talking about incredibly complex, technical, geeky, nerdy science and engineering and physics and, and you know, lots of things uh, that even the experts don't always agree on. And on the other hand, we're talking about our bodies and our families and our kids and our communities and our future. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's head and heart. And it's really easy. Uh, and I think I'm sure everybody, you know, who's watching this has experienced this where you go too far in one direction where it's either, you know, like, I don't know, just over my head. I don't, that's just too complicated. I don't get the science, leave that to the experts. Or over here, it's just too California woo-woo, you know, and I say that as a proud Californian, native Californian, where it's just too, it's not grounded in, in, in the reality. And so uh, storytelling is how we integrate head and heart. It's how we, it's the first step in transparency and it's the best way we know how to share ideas. So being a good storyteller, uh, if, if it's just, uh, you know, in, as a writer, as a speaker, as a, you know, in social media, however, however you do it. Now there's so many different platforms in media ways to do that, whether it's a 10 second TikTok or, a, or, a, you know, a 45 minute keynote speech. Um, uh, that's just really critical. Um, you know, being able to write, not necessarily for publication or even for public consumption, but just being able to communicate to peers, to colleagues, to, to whoever um, in a clear, concise and compelling way is is a really, really critical skill. I mean, you know, I on, on my on my better days, I still I still get to commit journalism. Uh, but on most, uh, you know, I, it's not as much as I used to. But but those skills of asking questions, of synthesizing, of 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 telling a story in a in a way that's you know sort of organized that's that's also will draw the the reader in whether the reader is is one person or a, you know a hundred thousand people um, those skills I use every single day. 
in school, we learn a lot about what is right and wrong and facts. We don't learn often so much, at least in here, <laughs> around storytelling, which I think also is one of the, uh, yeah, it's one of the key skills. And we know this even more since, um, yeah, in social media, there are so many stories which yeah. just resonate. And so, yeah, so it, many it, it, just facts don't, yeah. And I'll just say, Christian, that most companies are really not good mm -hmm. at storytelling. Um, we're having a, a comms, a communication summit at our, at our flagship event in February, and in February 2023, um, uh, to bring together uh, the communications professionals, the sustainability professionals, and the legal count, the corporate counsel. Uh, I, I refer to those that triangle as sort of the Bermuda Triangle of of messaging, where where messages go in and never you know never to be seen again because they get you know that. The, the sustainability people have come up with something that's super technical, not very compelling. Uh, the the, the uh, communications people, often young and experienced, will come up with something like it's, it turns out it is easy being green or you can make money and save it. It's something that's just so naive and trite and not very helpful. Um, uh, and the legal people will say, no, you can't say that. And by the time they strip out all the potentially problematic things, particularly now that there's greenwashing laws in Europe and probably soon in the U.S., um, that you end up with with something that doesn't really say anything or certainly doesn't communicate the level of commitment and achievement and uh, that, that the company intends to, to communicate. So that's a big area where companies, for all of the, you know, decarbonization and net zero and waste reduction and water efficiency and circular economy issues, being able to talk about this stuff internally, externally, upstream, downstream is really critical. Maybe what, what, is there anything where you say, hey, this is something, how do you learn storytelling? What's the best way to learn storytelling if you haven't learned that in school? Um, I mean, I guess you have, I guess there's courses in, you know, effective writing. Um, you know, we are all consumers of stories uh, every day, every many, many, maybe hundreds of times a day, whether it's an advertisement or an email or a conversation with, you know, with anybody, your partner or your kids or your, you know, friends or customers, whoever, colleagues. Um, and those are stories, even if it's 30 seconds. Um and so, you know, being able to deconstruct those a little bit and what's the, you know, had, you know, what, what's been effective? What are the stories that you remember? Not necessarily sustainability. What's the story that you remember uh, that somebody told you once that you, that just captured you? Uh, was it because it was clever, because it was sad, because it was exciting and happy, because it was a big idea, because it was a way of turning an idea that you'd always thought on its head and rethinking it. Um, you know, those are, those are different. There, there is this sort of construct about um, this is true for whether you're giving a speech or a talk or, 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 or writing something is what do you want the audience to know? What do you want the audience to do? And how do you want the audience to feel? And that's, you know, do you want them to feel excited? Do you want to feel anxious? Do you want to feel determined? Do you want them to feel motivated, inspired? Uh, you know, and what do you want them to do as a result of all that? And, and not everything has a, you know, a, an action behind it. Not every story, you know, it, it necessarily has to have a feeling. But, but certainly in, you know, if you're writing something for public consumption or going to give a talk to a, 
uh, at an event or something, thinking about that, you know, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to do? And how do you want them to feel? Uh, those are good starting places. Exciting. So we have now the curiosity, persistence, and now storytelling. Um, so you mentioned also that you have an amazing team and people stick around. Um, so question is, how do you select them? What are you looking in, um, in great people you want to work together with? Um, yeah. the team members maybe. Well, I have to say that, uh, uh, I'm the, the co-founder and chairman of this company with 65 employees. None of them reports to me anymore. So I, I'm not the one who's doing the hiring. Um, and there's a, I'm not the CEO. We have a CEO. Um, and so I, I don't take a lot of credit for that. Um, uh, but, and, and it, you know, it, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough question, Christian, because it, it really depends. Are they in, are they, uh, an analyst who's in, in or a writer? Are they, uh, on the sales and marketing side? Are they on the event production side? Are they in the, the creative, uh, web design and gra visual graphic side of this, um, or video production? You know, it's all over the map. And so each of those has its own, its own thing. I think, you know, people tend to be drawn to us mm -hmm. in large part because of the mission. You know, we have to pay a competitive salary. We have to offer competitive benefits or we actually offer better benefits than most smaller companies. Um, but, um, they tend to be drawn to the mission. And if you, uh, you know, so draw, drawing them in is the mission. So how do you keep them? Um, opportunity to advance, uh, creating a, a sense of cohesion among among the, the the teams, not just within the marketing team or within the editorial team, but across teams so that everybody feels that we're on the same page, that we're part of, we're all marching together and that we all like one another. So, you know, we like to work hard and play hard as a company. And it's harder now because uh, post-COVID or even still COVID, yeah. uh, we're not together as much and, and our team is much more dispersed around uh, most of the United States, although we have one person in, in Paris now. Um, and we're, we actually stretch across 12 time zones from Paris to Honolulu. Um, and so, you know, that makes it a little bit challenging to for that cohesion. So we have to do it. You know, we, we do come together at some of our events where the whole team We'll bring everyone together and we're getting big enough now that, that even that's going to be hard. We don't really need 65 people at, at, at an event and, you know, we'll be 75 people in three or four months because we're just growing. Um, so it, it just takes a lot of work. We have an, uh, an all faces meeting, uh, just a zoom call with, you know, 65 people and uh, once a month. And we, we try in just one hour, not just to communicate what's going on, but also to do a little breakouts where we'll have uh, get together groups of three or four, just sort of randomized in many cases, and talk about something that's not even business related. I remember, uh, you know, one of the assignments was uh, pick something that's in the room in which you're sitting that's meaningful to you and share it. Mm -hmm. You know, I shared, you know, this 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 clock here, which is uh, was was uh, on the on my father's. Uh, 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 on his desk in his office. He was a dentist um, for, for 30 or 40 years. My father's long gone. Um, uh, and, and, and this, this part down here reflects the fire where his office actually, uh, there was a fire in the office and it burned and this was, this clock was saved. So, you know, and it, it, it's, it, I look at it many times a day and it's, 
And, and so just doing that and sharing that with the team was a meaningful experience. Get to know people a little bit better. We're all human. You know, I'm the founder, but I'm just another guy, you know, who's part of the team. I'm not some big anything. And so I think that's really important to creating this, this feeling of that we're a community as well as the community we're serving. Um, no, you, not this, this story with the what with the clock will stick in my mind, I think. <laughs> uh, also, also sharing this. Um, and you mentioned your father, but um, who is your role model? Uh, do you have a role model still? Is it some of the people you're looking up to inspire you every day, maybe? Yeah. I mean, there's not one person, Christine. Uh, there's lots of little things. You know, I channel some people that I know and, and respect. Uh, I, um, uh, I'll give you an example. This is not a role model, but this is just a way of channeling. So uh, when I was uh, writing this, this monthly newsletter, this eight-page monthly, you know, dead tree snail mail newsletter, you know, literally in an envelope in a mailbox, um, uh, I knew I, I knew a lot of my subscribers and became friends with some of them. And some of them were, you know, would tell me, you know, that thing that you wrote about such and such, that was bullshit. You know, you really, you really didn't ask the critical questions. You didn't, you know, I think you, you were, you fell for what they were saying without, you know, looking deep or whatever they did. And there was one of them in particular who, who was a friend of mine and we'd get together for lunch and she would say this to me, her name was Shelly. And, um, uh, she worked for a, 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 a it's in sustainability for one of the big uh, uh, movie studios in Hollywood, and um, and and I found myself uh, writing with Shelley sitting on my shoulder, figuratively, obviously, and um, and thinking like, how would she? You know, I'm writing something. You know, what would she say to that? Would she fall for this, or would she would she call me out on something? And at various times uh, in my career, there were other people, it hasn't been Shelley for a number of years, a number of other people that I just sort of channel. Um, and and somebody asked me, I was telling this to somebody recently, he said, well, who is it now? And I thought about it and I said, you know, I don't have anybody anymore. It's, I don't need that. I just, I know my, I know it now. I can do it on my own, you know. But but those are the kinds of people, the, the people that I serve uh, who inspire me. The people who read what I write, who come to our events, who 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 uh, my my peers who are uh, also you know who do similar things to what I do, uh, so I pick up little bits and pieces. Um, you know, I uh, I could name some names, but there, there is no one person. Um, there have been so many inspiring people in my career, uh, in, not just in the sustainability realm, but mostly in sustainability. That um, they 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 all stick with me in some way and 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 help guide me and inspire me. Very inspirational. Thank you. Um, we need to come to an end. Um, and um, maybe asking you a question: What, based on your experience, what advice would you give anybody now, uh, literally students, our students, which are want to have an impact? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I've often said that sustainability in some ways is too important to be left to sustainability professionals. And I'll, I'll tell you a little quick story. When I was in journalism school, um, I was the last year that you could get a BA in journalism at the University of California at Berkeley. Um, and they basically said, if you want to be a journalist, sure, you can take writing classes, 
but go learn something, learn science, learn, learn physics, learn sports, learn French, learn history, whatever it is. And then if you still want to, you know, you get a master's in journalism, get an MJ, you can do that. And I think that's, I give that similar advice to in sustainability is that, you know, going into sustainability is interesting, but if you really want to succeed, you need to learn something, learn supply chain, learn finance, learn marketing, learn supply, learn uh, international trade, um, you know, and, and, and then you can, you know, go in and deploy your, your green gene uh, uh, with, with that skill set. But it's really important to, um, to know something, to, to have a body of knowledge that goes beyond sustainability. Because sustainability is an overlay. It's not its own thing. It's really an overlay to everything in business. And, and so that's where I think it's important to, you know, it's, it's sustainability and, and whatever that and is, is up to you. But that's where I would be thinking about, uh, you know, that my next career move would be, you know, what do I know and what can I do and how does sustainability link up with that? Yeah. Uh, resonates so well. Uh, that we picked in our master program, sustainability and immersion technology to combine interdisciplinary literally um, different perspectives, you know, you need to, uh, to combine to actually um, contribute something meaningful. And it's also di different types of the parts of the brain you put together, literally, uh, to think creative. Um, thank you so much. Um, any last advice uh, for our, our audience here you want to give them? Um, you know, just keep at it. Thank you for being in this space. Um, give a quick plug, go to greenbiz.com. We have seven weekly newsletters, all of them free to keep you up to date. We have podcasts, lots of things that you could learn. Uh, just come and, and, and learn with us and share, the, be on this journey alongside us. So um, I just can support that. And thank you very much for visiting us in the studio. Um, thank you very much for being with us. To you, Dolores, uh, also Merry Christmas. Uh, yeah, and a happy holiday season here. And to you. Thanks so much, Christian.